Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at Cowboy Junction Church Online. We're sure glad that you did. We hope that today's message will encourage you and challenge you as you connect passionately with the word that God has specifically for you. Would you do me a big favor? Rate, review, and subscribe to this message. Also, I want to let you know that if you would like to connect with Cowboy Junction, get our text messages and with encouragement and announcements, you can do so by texting the word CONNECT to 575-209-2770. You could also rate, review, and subscribe. That sure would be helpful to us. If you would like to partner with Cowboy Junction in the spreading of the gospel by financially giving, you can do so by going to cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. I hope you enjoy the message. Hey guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. We're going to kick off this love series. And this series, what we're about to study, is so important to me. And I, I want it to be important to you. Because at Cowboy Junction, we believe that this series will teach us that if you know God, you'll know love. But the only way to know love is to know God. We hope that after this message, you will have a whole new way to view the heart of God and love. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Love Series. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, for all our first-time visitors, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, it's so great to see the full crowd that we got and everybody in our overflow. Can we open the door real quick, Jeff? Can we hear everybody in our overflow? Oh my, Jeff, yes, yes, that's so awesome. Yeah, for all those that are panicking right now, don't panic, it's just an illustration, okay? Um, the series we're in right now is the Love Series, and last week, I mean, if you haven't, uh, listen to, to that message. You need to listen to that message. Um, we're discussing the heart of the Father, the heart of God. And I have a question. Since we've discussed how much God loves you, if we, since we've discussed how, that you don't have to be something for God to love you more than he loves you right now. And for a lot of people, we got a lot of feedback. People are like, I wish I'd have heard that message the day that I accepted Christ as my Savior. I wish... Someone had told me that years ago. Um, I, I can't tell you how many people text, email, phone called. But today is a message that we go to the next level, okay? If you're here and you say, Ty, I'm here to go to the next level, say, I'm, I'm ready, Ty. I'm ready, Ty. Okay. Because now my question I have for you is, do you tell them or not? <laughs> yeah. do, do you tell them? Or not. And let me just tell you why this is such a big deal. Not last week, but the week before that. But Jessica Becker, was it in this service? Yeah. It was in this service. I had my fly down. And none of you sorry suckers came and told me. Yeah. It happened to be the second time in, in all of Cowboy Junction history that I wore an untucked shirt. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> But it does bring up a very interesting question. Do you say something or don't you? And I don't care what your opinion is, the answer is yes. Okay? Yes, you do. As awkward as it may be, as awkward as it may feel, of course, you say something. But there is a but, a little disclaimer. It really has to do with the person you're dealing with. Come on, let's think about that for a minute. There are some times... That Heather is not going to tell me my fly's down. It's because we probably just got into an argument about how 
I, don't, I hate it every time you come and tell me something. I hate it every time you want to just point out all my failures and all my flaws. And she's not. She's not pointing out my failures. She loves me. She wants to come to me and say, hey, what if we did this different? Or what if we did this different? But I've barked at her. And now she sees that my fly's down. And th this is Heather's, without saying it, this is what she's, she's basically, okay, sucker, go ahead. <laughs> you just go do what it is you want to do. And let me just tell you. Every person in this room, in some form or fashion, everybody say, that's me. that's me. You're vulnerable in some area. Probably even in an area you don't even know about. And my question for you is, do you want to walk through the rest of your life with your zipper down? Or do you want your Father in Heaven to gently put His arm around you and say, hey, there's something we need to talk about. Do you push him away? Do you welcome him closer? Now, the awkward part of does he do the rest of the sermon like this? Or <laughs> does he zip up his fly right in front of us? The answer is neither. It was just a clip-on. Yes. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're going to start off in prayer, and I just want to encourage everyone. If you're here for the very first time, and you're like, I just came here because somebody said it was going to be good. Y'all are talking about something that we've struggled with. What, do we trust church anymore? Do we trust God anymore? Do we trust pastors anymore? I just want you to relax. I just want you to relax. And would you just promise that during this message, you would just ask our Father in Heaven to just talk to you. To just talk to you about whatever it is He wants to talk to you about. If you're here and you're a seasoned pro, you're just a seasoned pro, you, you've been living for Jesus, you're hungry for the things of God, let's talk about an old thing in a new way today. Does that sound good? And maybe ask him, Father, don't let me get comfortable where I'm at, but let's do something new, fresh in my life. Father, we love you, and today we pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. What a joy it is to know you, what it joy it is to trust you but father today i pray that there'd be less of me and more of you and just like i said a minute ago when i was talking to you no one came here today to listen to me nobody so jesus i pray that you would open our ears and my mouth for our online campus we love them we thank you for them but i pray that even in their living room and their truck driving down the road wherever they're at Holy Spirit, would you flood this place, our hearts, with your presence. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you didn't get last week's message, and I really want to encourage you, go back and listen to the last two. This is kind of the highlight, okay? Let me go back and show you a little bit of the highlights. This is one of them. If you know God's love, you'll trust him. Now think about that for a minute. It's like a father. It's like envision a two-year-old sitting on the counter. And dad's saying, jump. And we're all thinking, we played softball with this guy. He doesn't catch very good. But the two-year-old, he doesn't know this. He just knows dad who you can trust. And you see a two-year-old just leap and jump into dad's arms. You see grandpa saying, trust me, jump. And the two-year-old just jumps because they know these guys will put their life on the line for me. The same thing goes with God. You will trust him. When you know how much he loves you. And some people get this flip backwards. And they seem to think once I do something for him, that's when God will love me. When I do something, when I prove myself. Maybe you've been taught that. And we're just, we, we looked at scripture last week. 
that showed us that God's love, he will never love you more than he loves you right now because he doesn't have to. He loves you endlessly. But the more you know it, the more you'll trust him. The next thing we learned was this, is if you trust him, you'll believe him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very important for your faith because in your faith, sometimes we believe that we have to stir up believe first. And, And what if we built a trust based on his love, which challenges our belief system, and we start believing the statutes of God, the heart of God, the teachings of God, the ways of God. We believe that his kingdom is real, and we begin to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but all because you trusted him, and it led to believing him. But what if? Here's the next one. What if you believe him? And then you started to follow him. All of a sudden, faith gets an opportunity to take root. And sometimes we get confused on how faith starts. Maybe it's a scared moment. You're just scared. You're going to go to hell. And I got to start following him now. And you got this a little backwards. Your faith is based on fear. Fear is the beginning of wisdom. But what we're talking about here today is the beginning of faith. Okay? And faith has this whole belief system that starts with love, to trust, to believe, to follow. If you know how much God loves you, it is going to be so much easier, now think about it, to follow him. Can I say something really kind of blunt? Some of us are afraid to follow him because we're terrified of him. We talked about this last week, a little abusive father moment to where we end up doing what our dad wants us to do because we're scared of him. But that's not the heart of our father. It's not kingdom either. And the reason why I want to bring all this up is because today brings up a very interesting point. And it's one of those things I want to just tell you that in the pastoral world, love and grace is not very um, looked highly upon because you're either swing back and forth either you're a grace church or you're a truth church and 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 let me just tell you that jesus came and scripture tells us that jesus came in grace and truth okay and that's real important so what we're going to try to do is find some balance and here's the balance last week we talked about god's love he will never love you more than he loves you right now and if you love him you'll You'll, 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 you'll trust him. And if you trust him, you'll believe him. If you believe him, you'll follow him. So we got that down. But now let's put some practical feet on this. And a minute ago, my illustration brings up the issue of would you want somebody to tell you? And today's message is on correction. Okay? And the real relationship test for a father and a child is do you know I love you? So much that you're willing for me to correct you. Okay? If you had parents who put food on your table and loved you and was there for you, but there was this tension in correction, maybe when you think of how God corrects you, you only see God that has his hand cocked, ready to come fire on you at any second. Time out. Do you know that there are dads, and this will shock you, There are dads in this room right now who have raised some godly, amazing kids and have never spanked their child once. Yeah, there's not a lot of them, but they're in the room, okay? 
And I say this jokingly and, and, and seriously to tell you that, that, you know, not always is a hand what a kid needs. In fact, if you go back and build trust with a child and, 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 and a child believes in a dad, when a dad turns and has that conversation, that serious conversation of correction, it should just take a correction. One of my favorite dads in all of Lee County is a man by the name of Travis Rice. Travis Rice is just a classy, wonderful man. Um, cowboys in the northern part of New Mexico and Crossroads. And Travis has two great kids, two great kids. One of them is named Hadley. Hadley has just been a part of our church for a very long time. And Hadley tells this great story. Both boys were spanked. One was spanked more than the other. And, and, and this, Hadley tells this amazing story about Travis's look. Travis could give a look. They could be messing up at the end of the, of the, of the seats in, in church, and Tra- Travis would just have to lean over and look, and he that was a Travis Howell look. And, and instantly both boys would just do this. And do you have a relationship with your Heavenly Father to where just a look from him could cause you to go, I'm not acting much like my father right now. Today there's a few things I want to start off by showing and saying. Um, God loves you so much, he won't let you stay the way that you are. And I think that's very important to understand. We don't get saved from a perfect life. I, I, if, if any one of us was perfect and we said, well, I found Jesus and he rescued me, he saved me, I'd call a time out and say, listen, not one person ever got saved because they were perfect. We are imperfect people. There are things about the way we think, the condition of our heart, the choices we make, the sin that we have. Not one of us has a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the Father because we're perfect. I just want everybody to understand that. And so we come into this relationship with the Father, and we don't look anything like him. And God is not going to let us stay the same way we've always been. He is going to talk to us. He is going to put his arm around us. But let me get this, and this is one of the big points today. Correction. And if you're taking notes, that's the word you need to write down. Correction comes because in some form or fashion, we don't look like our Father. The words that come out of our mouth don't sound like something our Father would say. The actions we have don't act like how our Father would do it. Things that we do with people is something that God had... God God did not put that together. And and that's not how God intended for life to be lived. In some form or fashion, correction has come because we just don't look like our Father. And let me just get everybody's attention. That is the ultimate goal of every follower of Christ Jesus, to look like Jesus, to look like our Father. We want people to say that knew us 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you don't, you don't even remind me of yourself anymore. You, you don't, you, I mean, you don't even look the same. You don't act the same. I mean, you're the same person. I know you are, and we can tell all the old stories, but you're a completely different person. Do you realize that that is exactly what we want to hear? If you took that conversation further, maybe you instigated a little bit and said something like, do I look like Jesus? Because that's really what I'm looking for. That is the goal of every one of us, to look like our Father. In fact, let me show you scripture. Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And let me just tell you, you need to go home and read this chapter. 
It's a fantastic chapter. If you're not used to reading your Bibles after church today, you say, I don't have a Bible. I want to give you a Bible. It's an easy-to-read Bible because an easy-to-read Bible is a lot easier to read than a hard-to-read Bible, okay? And it's paperback, so I encourage you to highlight it, underlight it, keep notes in it. This is, I'll, I'll, this is my personal gift to you, okay? And I want you to go home and read this chapter, and it talks about correction. And in this Hebrews portion of Scripture... What it has to say about being corrected is one of the most beautiful, life-giving, I want that, give me that, Lord, scriptures you could ever read. It draws you closer to the Father, and let me just start reading. Look at the very verse. It says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. Now, we've got to slow this down. Y'all know that that's the, that's the story right there. He is speaking to us about correction like he's talking to his sons and his daughters. Yeah. He's talking to correction, about not, not to slaves or people who worked for him or, or hirelings. He's, he's literally turning to every one of us and saying, for everyone that calls me, a, that, that I would consider a son or a daughter. And I want you to ask that question. Do I want to be a son to my father in heaven? Do I want to be a daughter? Of my father in heaven. And he's talking to you. And he says, My son or my daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure, endure the chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now, those are old words. Chastening and scourging. Each one of them has a different meaning. But it means rebuke or correct. And to be very clear, let's go to the definition of chastening. It says this, chastening of a rebuke or misfortune, which means that there is correction that comes from either the, the person in your life that can turn to you and say, what you're doing is not good. Or chastening correction that comes from you just falling on your face because of something you kept doing. Okay, we'll get to this all this in a minute. Chasing, having a restraining or a humbling effect. You're going to be so successful in hearing the voice of God to change you. If there's anybody in the room, you're like, I just want to be different. I want that change, but I keep messing up. We all have. But do you know that part of the secret sauce, I love that word, secret sauce. Secret sauce is learning to humble ourselves before the Lord. Because those who humble themselves will hear God. Okay? If we're willing to humble ourselves. This chastening is very important. And it encourages us to know that you are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. And this chastening is him doing his work, his father work in you. Hebrews goes on, verse, verse 8. 7, 8, 9. Oh, 7, 8, yeah. But if, you, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegit illegitimate and not sons. He says, anybody that says that I'm their dad but doesn't want my correction, <laughs> you're not my kid. Oh, that's deep. 
Anybody who calls me Lord but doesn't want my correction, don't fool yourself. You're not my kid. I want to be your dad. But do you realize the relationship we have also comes with the correction? It goes on. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Which means a dad would work on us and work on us, but your Father in heaven is always working on you. And it leads to his profit in our life, his greatness in our life, his kingdom coming in our life. And don't you think, not think that's the goal, to receive his holiness? But the last part is so cool. And this is one of my favorite parts. And the reason why I want to read this was to establish this part. And it says, now no chastening or no correction seems to be joyful. Duh. Am I, am, are we in agreement? Nobody ever wanted to get rebuked. Nobody ever wanted to get pulled aside. It's not joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, everybody say afterwards. afterwards. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. Today I'm going to talk to you about what does it mean to be corrected by our Father in heaven. And there's three things I want to talk to you about how you're going to know when correction is there. This is three things that have spoke to me. I can tell you that in preparing this, there were three, there was things I had to do this week that I couldn't preach this message until I allowed some correction in my own life. Okay, so, so let me just tell you, Dad had a talk with me. Okay? And, and if anybody's in the room and like, well, that's just unfair. You just get to sit up there and preach and step on our toes. Buddy, I'm limping today. And, and I really am. I, I blew my calf out. But at the same time, my toes hurt a little bit because I couldn't preach this today until Holy Spirit said, you're going to also have to listen to me in some areas. And so there's some, there's some work in me, okay? But there's three things we're going to talk about. But before we talk about them, do you remember what this whole started around? God loves you. He doesn't rebuke his child because he hates them. He brings correction because he loves them. And he thinks of his best in your life. I just want to make sure you understand that we're good. The first thing when God begins to correct us is we experience revelation. Revelation is the best word I could come up with for have you ever just saw something in Scripture that caused you to stop and realize you didn't know any better. Maybe you are just a thief in this room. And it is just one of those things where you've always been taught that we've never had anything. We're never going to get anything. We're poor. We're always going to be poor. And someone convinced you that it's okay to steal from people who have more than us. Okay? And then one day you fell in love with Jesus. And you sat down, and you always knew the Bible said, Thou shalt not steal. 
But it was just these words that rolled off the tongue really quick, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, one day, Holy Spirit came to you and said, if you ever want to know my best, then you're going to have to realize you don't look like me when you steal from anybody. And all of a sudden, it's a, and this is the best illustration I have for Revelation, it's a aha moment. It's like looking in a mirror. Okay, we're going to start our day. I've looked like this for my whole life. I know what I look like. I've seen senior pictures. I've seen all kinds of stuff. But imagine if someone put a mirror up in front of you and you went, oh, my gosh. How long has that been there? And then you've got to flip, make sure you get a closer look. And it's this aha moment. You had no clue that something was wrong. This is what Scripture tells us it's like when we allow God's Word to come into our life and breathe life in us and, and give a better ex explanation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. I want you to get this. All Scripture is breathed out of God. Isn't that cool? It means you're hearing something that God said, this is good, and all of eternity needs to hear it. We aren't the first group of people who have read Scripture. It keeps being passed on, and it changes lives. And aha moments, okay? But is it just by God? No, it's even better. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's not just thieving. But, you know, there's a, some of us are born with a little, a little fibbing tongue. Uh, one of those little tongues that... We tell 99% of the truth, and we add on just a little bit afterwards. I never will forget. And it's something constantly. I want people to like me. I want to tell a great story. You know what makes a great story a fantastic story? If you exaggerate just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Can I be honest with you? That's, that's one of the things that Holy Spirit has, over the years, talked to me about. Ty, Ty, why do you add on to things? Why do you, why do you just kind of twist it just a little bit? It's embarrassing. It is so stinking embarrassing. But how can you ever know God's best if you live in just a little bit of lie? One of the best illustrations we ever did around here is I brought a chocolate brownie up. And I asked Brady to come up here. And Brady came up here and I said, I knew he liked chocolate brownies. And I said, would you like a chocolate brownie? He goes, sure. But he didn't trust me, you know, because we haven't built that relationship. He's 16 now, and I tried to get him to stand on the bar and jump into my arms, and he still won't do it. And, <laughs> and so I gave, him, I gave him the brownie, and I said, I want you to take a bite of the brownie. And he's like, okay. I said, seriously, it's a chocolate brownie. And he goes, okay. He's got it right to his mouth. And I said, no, no, stop, 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 stop. There is something about the brownie. Before church, I went out to the cattle pens, and I got a little bit of manure. Just like stuck my finger in. All I did, I, I, I just stuck my finger in a turd. That's all I did, okay? All right? And I went back, and when I mixed everything together, and that's it. That's, that's all that's in there. I might have not washed my hands before I made the brownie. But dive in. Go ahead. Brady's sitting there holding that brownie, thinking, it ain't worth it. Okay, if we think that's true, like, I wouldn't eat that brownie for nothing knowing where your finger's been. A little bit of lie is still a lie. And we don't want to get judgmental here. We don't want to, but honestly, if we truly, can you imagine if we really want to know God's best for our life, 
but we still keep thinking that I need to add the whipped cream on top to make it better. How are we ever going to trust God with what he's asked us to do? A lie. There are going to be times that you read scripture and it cuts to your core. But this is revelation. It's an aha moment. When, 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 when your pastors tell you, you've got to read the Bible, you've got to read the Bible, you've got to read the Bible. What they're trying to get into you is the daily understanding that scripture is breathed by God and it brings natural correction to us to where pastors can even do their job better because they're not the sole person reading God's word to you. But when we develop a healthy relationship with Scripture, and that conviction comes in our private time as God speaks to us through the Bible, challenges us where we have fear and not faith. It questions us if we're not able, why don't you put your hands to work? Trust me, I gave you your talents. I gave you your abilities. And you read that in Scripture, and it causes you in your private time to go, God can do this in me. And a little correction can change you and can prosper you and can cause the kingdom of God to come alive in you. If you're in this room and God's been showing you over and over and over again through his word that you, you're being corrected because he loves you through his word, but you're still not changing, you're missing out on God's best. That's the first one, is revelation. The second one is this, conviction. That's a scary word. It's a very healthy word. And conviction is this deep pulling, if you will. In fact, Jeff, come here. Can, can, come here real quick. I have felt God's conviction right down here, okay? And I have felt God say, can you hear me? I have felt his gentle tap on my chest in the conviction of the Holy Spirit as he gets my attention. I have felt a push. And what I mean by push, it's not a, it's not a rude push. It is a father saying, you can do it. Go. I'll tell you the first time. One, one of the times I remember is when I asked Heather out for the first time. Okay? And no joke. I'm, I'm the scared dude, and God's going, go. And, and I felt the conviction that I put this together. A funny story. Um, she wasn't really interested on, on our first date, okay? And, and if you know Heidi, stinking Heidi, kept texting her all during our date. I thought that was the rudest thing ever, okay? And so we went to the movies, and now I'm taking her to, oh, no, no, we went to dinner, and now I'm going to take her to the movies. And I turned to her, and I said, I won't do it to you. I'll turn her this way. And I'll go, I said, boy, it's sure great that we're taking our relationship to the next level. And, uh, and she said, relationship? We're just friends, so I'm driving down the road, we're going to the movies, and, and Heidi's finally through texting her, and I just gently turned to her, and I felt the Holy Spirit do this. He just said, you need to tell her. Okay, you can sit down. And I felt the conviction, and here's what I told her. I said, you know what, I just, I'm at that point in my life where I'm ready to find that girl. That wants to spend the rest of his, her life with a guy that wants to follow Jesus. And I think you're pretty awesome. If we're going to be friends, we're going to be friends. But if we're, if, if we're not going to go forward, I don't know why we're going to take, take this date. So can I take you home? 
and I pulled into Kmart, and she is, she is ticked. And I, and I pull the truck around, and I drive back to her mama's house, and I pull up in the front yard. I mean, guys, I am shaking like a leaf. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Holy Spirit keeps pushing me. I said, quit pushing me. I know it. I'm scared to death. But it was this moment in my life. I didn't want to date anymore. I was, find, I was ready to find somebody who, who, let's go change the world together. Let's go change the world together. Let's raise godly kids. And if you're going to be flippy floppy, I don't want to be. So we pulled up in her mama's driveway, and I get out, and she's already out the door. And I'm trying to be the gentleman and get to the door to open the door for her. And she opens the door, and she gets herself in, and she slams it in my face. And you guys, I'm going to tell you, I feel this tall. I feel like a jerk. I, I feel rude. But I know the push of the Holy Spirit saying, do you want to date? Do you just want to have another relationship? Or are you going to be the man that finally stands up and says, I know what I'm believing God for. Now, I drove home that night and didn't sleep all night. I'm being so brave with this story because she's not here. <laughs> now, all night, I feel like an idiot. So for everybody that you said, well, every time I step out, I feel like an idiot. I know. But what I don't know is while I'm losing sleep at home, her mama is giving her a butt-chewing of a lifetime. And she walks in the house, and she's like, you're not going to believe this. He was mad because I was talking to Heidi during our date, and he was mad because I said I want to be friends. And her mama comes and gets in her face and says, let me tell you this. There have been boys that have played with your heart all your life. And finally, you meet a godly man who shows his intentions and tells you what he wants and can tell you that he wants to raise a godly family and marry a godly woman. And you have one guy in your life that finally gives you his best, and you Storm out of his car and tell him you want to be friends. And all night, that's all she could think about. Now, all night, I'm sleepless. I'm sleepless in Lee County. And about 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, my phone rings. And I recognize the number. It's Heather. Like, she's just not done chewing my butt out yet. And I hit, hello. And I said, hello. And, and she goes... Hey, I was wondering if I could get a second chance. And I said, baby, you can have third chances and fourth <laughs> chances and fifth chances. And, 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 and I don't, I, that, that story wasn't even planned in the story today, in the message today. But isn't it just like when you feel conviction and God pushing you to want better? I mean, I mean I, this, I, this is not meant to be rude, but all my single friends in the room, do you just want another make-out partner? I, I didn't want you to answer. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're in a safe place. <laughs> there, there's, a single, there's a single guy in the room that went, crap. <laughs> Yeah, there's another single guy in the room goes, I knew I liked her. <laughs> hey, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. What, what do you want? And it's going to be hard walking away from something you're so used to. But if you keep feeling God's push, and it's a gentle push. It's the push of a father going, you're better than this. You're my kid. For every young lady that didn't have a dad that told you how awesome you were, 
Let me tell you what it would have been like. Your dad would have met him at the door and said, this is my pride and joy. This is my life's work. You will honor and respect her because she's worth it. And if you didn't have that, let me tell you, you've always had that. And it's been your father. You just didn't recognize it. There are more for you than against you. And it goes, it's not just dating here. There's a lot of things in this room. The Holy Spirit's telling you, pushing you, challenging you to feel his love and conviction. Maybe it's his law. Maybe you look at how God does things. And maybe his standard needs to become your standard. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Let me first of all tell you this. For anyone grew up in a church where it just seemed like the Holy Spirit was rude. What did we learn last week? That love's not rude. If you grew up in a Holy Spirit where they were just trying to get you on the floor when it came to the Holy Spirit. Or shake you up or rattle your cage when it came to the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you. We learned last week that love's not rude. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he speaks to your heart. And he pushes you. And he believes in you. And he loves you. And the first thing, you have to understand, understand revelation. It's this aha moment. That's correction. But there's also conviction. And God will talk to you. And you will feel that conviction. There has been times in my life I didn't do what God told me to do. And the pain got real. That's the only way I can describe it. It wasn't an abusive pain. It was, a, it was like putting on, if you wear 35, 36s and you're trying to fit into a 33, 34. Does that make sense? Everybody's like, I get that. I get that feeling because I'm feeling it right now. And you're just not where you're supposed to be. It was the pain I felt when I was in Phoenix, but I knew I needed to be in Lee County. It was the pain I felt when I was roping, but I needed to be home. It's the pain I felt when I was doing what I love to do, a high school rodeo ministry. But there was a church that needed me. I have felt that conviction and I want you to pay attention to it. Last and final one, and we're going to be done. Fabian's going to come up. There's revelation. There's conviction. But one of the greatest ways that God corrects you is by asking you to judge your fruit. Just a simple judging of your fruit. This is one of the most painful only to yourself, this isn't God causing pain, but it's like I have wasted the last three years of my life, 30 years of my life, or, or, by judging your fruit, you go, I could never have experienced the greatness of God and his righteousness, his goodness, if I wouldn't have chose his ways a long time ago. My challenge for you today is if you don't like your fruit, don't get mad at God. If you don't like your fruit, don't get mad at God. But there is a God who wants you to watch and learn how he's told you to live life. There's an amazing parable Jesus shares about soil. Your soil is your heart. But there's rocks and there's weeds and there's thorn bushes and there's shallowness. And God says, would you go deep with me? Would you go deep? 
And if you're willing to go deep and let those roots go deep, there's a, there's a harvest that comes. But if you're in this room and you don't like your harvest, maybe you should judge your soil. And, and that's love. I had a great youth pastor when I was growing up that challenged me. And he challenged me in the form of asking, what kind of fruit do you want in your life? That's a great question. What kind, what kind of fruit do you want? Do you want love? You want, you want to be someone that not only knows what love is, but has love for others? Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, mercy. Do you want these fruits in your life? Then we got to work on your soil. I brought up some fake fruit because some of us, some of us can look at our life and just go, well, it, it, it at least looks good. And, and, and where did God ever say that was his kingdom? We're talking about something that brings life and joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says this, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. And for everybody who's like, well, I don't like my life. It just seems like in my marriage we war all the time, we fight all the time. Okay, let me, let me show you something. Where do wars and fights come from? It tells us in James chapter 4, and this is the brother of Jesus, okay? He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust, and still you do not have. For those who have ears, let them hear. You lust, and still you feel empty. You murder and covet, and you cannot obtain. It's like we do everything we can to get it and want it, but still, it's like there's, a, there's no taste when we get it. You fight in war, yet you do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasure. The reason why I want to bring this up, and I just want you to think about this, maybe your compass is just a hair off. And God's been talking to you about it for a long time now. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your husband's fault. It's just how can we get back to allowing God to correct the things about our life? Maybe there's poor spending in this room. And you are feeling the harvest of poor spending. The Bible says all kinds of things about money. Here at this church, we, we love to sign people up for the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University class. And it's this correction. That's all that, that Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University cl class is. It teaches you and corrects you, and then you get to reap the harvest from having wisdom. Maybe it's sitting down and talking to someone about your situation and praying and saying, God, who's out there? Who's been where I've been, has done what I'm doing? But their life has become a life that I can see you in. Let me, let me just wrap this up. I want to pray. 
And remember how we started off? There's some people that just feel like it flies down. You're okay. Number one, you're safe. You're completely safe. But let's stop for a minute. Let's just, everybody in this room, just bow your head. Is there something that God has been talking to you about? And you have just grown comfortable with this uncomfortableness in your life. Maybe the list is way too long. I get that. I get that. There's been many times I've sat down and said, Father, just what is it? And I've thought of a million different things. Would you just narrow it down to one right now? Father, today we come to you and all over this room are people who genuinely and wholeheartedly know you love them. But now, Father, correction is an issue. But if we know you love us, you can talk to us about anything. You want to see life take place in our life. You want to see joy and the kingdom come. So, Father, today, all over this room, we've thought of something in our life. Maybe it could be anything. But we're ready to talk to you about it. And Father, today, I pray for freedom where freedom is necessary. And I pray for breakthrough. I pray for a moment of complete surrender as we confess our sins to you. Father, I am sorry. This has been an area I've ignored for far too long in my life. Please forgive me. I don't see you right now in my mind as fixing to strike me down. I see you as putting your arms around me. Father, thank you that all over this room people see you as the dad that says thank you for talking to me about this. And I want you to know I love you. And I want the best for you. And now, Father, I pray that you give us an instruction. Where do we go from here? Holy Spirit, don't quit talking to us about this. Coach on us, coach on us, coach on us. But don't let it go. Do not let it go. And in my mind, all over this room, we are choosing you over our wants and our desires and our needs. Jesus, thank you that we can always turn to you. And you're always going to talk to you about things that don't look like you. And we want you to do that. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.